Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 592. Just you wait until you know what you wanted before you unfold it the rest of the way. Jax set the wood down carefully, then picked up the flute. Is this special too? He put it to his lips and blew a simple trill like a Will's widow. Hespy smiled teasingly, lifted a familiar wooden whistle to her lips, and blew. Ta-ta-dee! Ta-ta-dee! Now everyone knows the Will's widow is also called a nightjar, so it isn't out when the sun is shining. Despite this, a dozen nightjars flew down and landed all around Jax, looking at him curiously and blinking in the bright sunlight. It seems to be more than the usual flute, the old man said. And the box? Jax reached out and picked it up. It was dark and cold and small enough that he could close his hand around it. The old man shivered and looked away from the box. It's empty. How can you tell without seeing inside? By listening, he said. I'm amazed you can't hear it yourself. It's the emptiest thing I've ever heard. It echoes. It's meant for keeping things inside. All boxes are meant for keeping things inside. And all flutes are meant to play beguiling music, the old man pointed out. But this flute is more so. The same is true with this box. Jax looked at the box for a moment, then set it down carefully and began to tie up the third pack with the three treasures inside it. I think I'll be moving on, Jax said. Are you sure you won't consider staying for a month or two? The old man said. You could learn to listen just a bit more closely. Useful thing, listening. You've given me some things to think about, Jax said, and I think you're right. I shouldn't be chasing the moon. I should make the moon come to me. That's not actually what I said, the old man murmured. But he did so in a resigned way. Skilled listener that he was, he knew when he wasn't being heard. Jax set off the next morning, following the moon higher into the mountains. Eventually, he found a large, flat piece of ground nestled high among the tallest peaks. Jax brought out the crooked piece of wood and piece by piece began to unfold the house. With the whole night in front of him, he was hoping to have it finished well before the moon began to rise. But the house was much larger than he had guessed, more a mansion than a simple cottage. What's more, unfolding it was more complicated than he... Ended the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. I feel like there's a good burn hiding on this page. Do tell. Well, okay, so let's say someone was bothering you because like they were being dumb or something you could you could tell them that their their brain was like a box because the way that like they they describe a box on this page seems like something you would tell someone to insult them about how it's very empty (laughs) yeah if you told someone else that their head echoed uh (laughs) that is that is a sick burn see I think there's another, not exactly a burn, but a gentle ribbing happening because I'm willing to bet that when Hespi first heard this story from her mom, the flute that Jax get does not make the sound of a night jar. I was thinking that too. I bet it's just like any bird that is handy. And in this case, the night jar was the right thing to choose because Hespi had the whistle from earlier. Yeah, well, and and because everyone knows that the Will's Widow is a night bird, a night jar, right? which is the thing that Quoth did not know or had forgotten when he made the whistle. Mm. See, I read this differently because I don't think Hespi would change this story. I think that she it's sacrosanct to her to tell it the way it was told. So I think that it's an interesting bit of, of resonance that Quoth made this. And it's also another 
item from a story that Quoth has in his possession. He has a key, a coin, a candle. He has a cloak of no particular color. He has a, uh, a nightjar whistle. He has a box. He has all of this stuff from stories, even though to him they, they may seem mundane. But I don't think it's an accident. Mm. I don't know that it's like important. I don't know that this this whistle is going to be a thing that saves him. But I don't think it. Uh, I don't think Hespi would change the story to rib him. Uh, I think that it is sort of like meant to. I don't know. Place Quoth in this position of someone who like has these objects. He has like an uncanny adherence, resonance to two stories. I think that's possible too. Even though I initially agreed with Jeremy, I like Nick's read better. <laughs> typical, typical. Sorry, I, I stand alone on the on the mountaintop, uttering my broken truths. Jeremy, you just gotta let it go. <laughs> this old man, whoever he might be, is characterized in such a sympathetic way. Like he's really trying to be kind to this kid who's kind of an asshole. He's really trying to to help him. In a, in a sort of selfless way, like you can stay with me for a couple of months, even though I'd much prefer to be alone in my cave doing my hermit things. And I'll teach you what I know about listening. And the kid's like, nah, I'm good. And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then he gives up, you know, he says, you know, I understand I'm not being heard. So yeah, you go off, you know, you're, you're not going to learn anything. And I feel like this is also a little bit of, uh, Rothfuss communicating an idea to the reader too when Jack says I think you're right I shouldn't be chasing the moon I should make the moon come to me and the the hermit goes that's not actually what I said right Jax has taken the wrong meaning from from what he heard right because he wasn't actually listening to the hermit much in the same way that Quoth misunderstood Tempe when Tempe said watch my back because he wasn't really listening to what Tempe was trying to tell him and maybe also how he misunderstands Elodin. Indeed. Earlier. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that this, you know, he's not nearly as sinister as Jax, but I do think that this uh, is a bit of a dunk on Quoth's, one of Quoth's tragic flaws, which is he often thinks he understands everything. It's not just that he thinks or doesn't think before he acts, it's that he thinks he has all of the information, uh, but he has misunderstood it or he he trusts his own cleverness to get him through when a little bit more understanding uh, would, would serve him well. So I'm, I, I think that while Jax is in this story, like a calamitous character. And I think that we are meant to feel ever more, an ever deeper sense of, of sinisterness from him, especially when he's like, I need to make the moon come to me. It reminds me of uh, the Anakin meme. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you're going to go meet the moon. Yes, meet the moon, right? Or whatever, I can't, I don't know. But you know what I mean, right? Like, Yes, it's, I know exactly what definitely meme a meme. you mean. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> um, and so I think it's it's a little bit of like, this is what Quoth could become, or this is like an allegory for Quoth taken to the extreme. We know that Quoth's intentions are good, but if he continues to behave in this way acting thinking he knows everything that's relevant he he will bring great catam catastrophe mm-hmm. or maybe he'll bring balance just like anakin i mean the other way you can kind of complicate the moral universe of this book is jacks we're right like in this story jacks comes off kind of sinister 
And we keep thinking, well, this is a cautionary tale for Quoth, who we all know isn't sinister. But you could also, you know, knowing that you could then go, well, maybe this story is not being fair to Jax. Maybe if we had been following, you know, inside Jax's head the whole time through like a 1700 page book, we might also have a more sympathetic perspective towards Jax and think that, in fact, he did nothing wrong. You heard it here first, folks. Jax did nothing wrong. That's right. And he'll continue to do nothing wrong on tomorrow's page of The Wind. Wind. Wind.